people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Welcome to another issue of Kidney Talk. And, you know, today we're talking about something that I love. It's creating things, making jewelry, and I have a kidney friend, uh, Myra Schwartz, who we became introduced about probably about 10 years ago and found out that we had one thing in common that was making things. And so I'm really excited. So welcome to the show, Myra. Thank you, Lori. I'm so happy to be here. Myra, tell the audience a little bit about your history. Uh, well, briefly, I had uh, about 40 years ago, I started to have some symptoms of uh, protein in my urine and things like that small things, but it took about 20 years for it to reach my kidneys. I had something called light chain disease, which is uh, means the bone marrow is producing too much of the wrong protein. And eventually that just clogged up the kidneys. So it took a long time, but I did have to have dialysis. I went on hemodialysis for 10 years. And then in 2002, I had a kidney transplant from a very wonderful cousin-in-law lives in Atlanta. I'm in Chicago. Isn't it amazing to receive a gift of like like that? Sort of unbelievable. You know, it's it something is. even now I uh, I cry when I talk about her. You know, just ten years later, but she did something that was so remarkable and so selfless. And she's just a person who's kind of in the business of saving lives. She rescues dogs and she's <laughs> had as many as four greyhounds at one time and she rescued me. So That's... she's she's one of my heroes and angels. Well, one of the things we have in common is we like to make things. And I have to say, I've had the opportunity to see your jewelry. And, you know, tell everybody about how you got into making jewelry and how it helps you. Well, it truly was a result of kidney disease. I've always been creative. I went to school in the arts. And uh, my mother told me that I was the most perfectly behaved child. All she had to do was give me paper and uh, crayons and she could take me anywhere. And I can remember sitting on the floor of a beauty shop where she was, beauty salon, and just coloring and just, you know, being so content. So that feeling has never left me. I've it stayed with me all my life. And when I first got sick, I was recuperating and I remembered that in my parents' home, there was a shoebox that had beads and jewelry supplies in it because I had just touched on it years ago. And I kind of remembered where that was. It was sort of a remarkable thing. And I went there and I picked up the box and while I was, you know, recuperating, I started to make things. And family and friends were nice and they said, oh, make me one and can I have one of those and I'd like to buy one of those. And that's really how it started. And uh, that, was, that was in the 90s. So I've been I've been doing this for 21 years. 
So basically, did you have any skills about making jewelry or did you just start like learning and now you're like a world-renowned jewelry maker? You're featured in magazines. It's quite impressive, Myra. World-renowned. <laughs> hey, I can, I can, I, it's my show. I can label you what I want. My family and friends think so. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, I I had some a little bit of training in metalsmithing in college, but uh, beading was just something I did. You know, it was sort of meditative and calming, and I really needed that when my body was in a chaotic, you know, in chaos. So, no, I didn't really have specific training for that. I took a couple of classes in beading just to learn basic techniques, but. I would say I'm pretty self-taught. Most beaters probably are. You just make it and you, you know, whatever it is, you put things together in a way that you, that you, each artist puts themselves, puts them together. So I liked what I was doing and I loved the feeling that I got and I had that, that total, lo- <clears throat> total loss of time, which is really exciting. And, uh, I, it's still with me. You know, one of the things I find, because I became addicted to buttons when I was transitioning from my, you know, transplant back to the dialysis, hopefully waiting to get another transplant. And what I found is when I put all the buttons out and I could arrange them and I would make jewelry, is that I was actually in control. And I think when you're having a healthcare crisis or you don't feel good, you feel very much out of control. And in the beating world, art world, you have complete control of the product. And I think that's why I love it so much. Well, I think that's a really good point. I'm, I'm sure that's true. Because, you know, I think most of us, uh, if we have that control gene in us, <laughs> we have to grasp everything. And when your body is out of control, you need to find everything. When I was on dialysis, the only thing I could control was the diet. Mm-hmm. And I was really really strong about that, and and I had really good results because of it. So I do have to find aspects of control in my life, and I think you're right. You know, creating is just something you do alone, and so it's very controlling to be able to put things together the way you want to. And it makes you feel like you've completed something, too, when you're finished and people come by and go, oh, I love your work, I love what you do. It makes you feel appreciated. And I know when I was on dialysis sometimes, sometimes like I just felt like a burden, you know, like I wasn't, you know, oh my God, I just don't feel like I am myself. And that would help me regain some of my identity by making things. Well, I think it is part of our identity. And I think that's, I feel very fortunate that I have that creative side because I can, I can use that to create myself, basically. You know, I, I, it is who I am. Um, I think I was, I'm an artist first, and then I became a kidney patient, and then I was able to kind of fuse them together. So I feel really lucky. Now, you have a website called kidneyjewelry.com. Um, can you tell uh, the audience a little bit about what you know, you'll know you find? Because I think you have an array of kidney creations, kidney bling. Kidney bling, I love that. <laughs> I have not even thought of that before. Well, I mean, it was definitely something born from my experience. And after I had the transplant, I realized, you know, how do you thank somebody for a kidney? It's not, you know, it's not that she was expecting any thanks. And I think most donors, living donors, 
certainly aren't looking for that. In fact, they want to kind of fade into the background from my experience. They just want to do this thing for somebody that they care about or, you know, altruistically for somebody they've never heard of. They just want to do, they just want to give, give you that, that gift. But there was something I wanted to do symbolically for my donor, you know, just to represent my gratitude. So I think this slowly began to develop. Once I learned how to do a website and they were easy for novices to do, I was able to put something together with several pieces and then it's grown and it's grown and it's kind of taken a little world of its own. And I have, I think, 150 items, uh, many that I make myself, but many things that I also find. And these are basically gifts of gratitude. Um, people have sent me the most touching notes and letters on what it's meant to them. And so I, I know I'm doing the right thing by, by continuing this. And it's really started as a little sideline, but it's growing quite a bit, maybe as a sad result of kidney disease also <laughs> growing. But I think people who are getting transplants are thrilled to be able to find something that represents how they feel for their donors. I know. It's... Uh... It's so special when you see, like, they have the Tiffany kidney beans. They have different aspects that represent that gift of life. And you have an incredible array of all types of prices. And I remember you had made, like, this kidney out of a zipper. And it was, like, wrapped and glued. I just thought that was so creative. Well, well, thank you. But I actually just... I did not, I, I created the pattern for that, but I had, I found an artist who was making hearts out of zippers. And I asked her if she could do a kidney, and, you know, she said, well, what does a kidney look like? <laughs> a kind of a mod- modified heart? <laughs> well, yeah, I said, just kind of squished in and, you know, pull in here and a little pinch there. But I drew her a picture, and then she cut, cut it out of wood, and she created her art from that. And then, you know, it's kind of exclusive for me, and I could sell them. And I find a lot of, I commission a lot of artists to do that, so that's another aspect of the website, which is really wonderful for me, is that I can spread the, uh, you know, not the wealth, but spread the the opportunity around for other artists to create things. Well, you're probably bringing awareness to them, because if she didn't know what a kidney looked like, I'm sure she didn't know what a kidney does for you. Right. And my story is on the website. So people uh, read that and, you know, they learn about the importance of the kidney and they learn uh, about what it means to people to, to receive the gift of life. Now, another aspect of your jewelry ability is you collect pipes and you make jewelry out of them. And it's some of the most exquisite jewelry I've ever seen. And this is the jewelry that gets you the status of being a world-renowned artist, right? Well, again, with that world-renowned, I'm not I, sure. Hey, it's my show. <laughs> but, it, but it is very exciting because I've gotten some attention from them. So it's been a real thrill for me. And they're my higher-end line. They're very, that's my real creativity in that, too. Uh, and it's, it's never-ending. I mean, it's been more than 10 years that I've been doing them and I'm working on a series and running, I think 140 something of the series and the these are little antique pipes made of meerschaum which is actually a gemstone a very soft gemstone that's been mined and the first one of these I found I had no idea what I was looking at 
I was at a flea market and I saw a little carved animal and I, it was on a table full of guy things. It had, you know, hubcaps and fishing stuff and things that I really wasn't interested in, but this caught my eye, kind of amber colored little animal and I picked it up and I saw it had a hole that ran through it and in my head I just saw a bead. I see a bead here. I can use this. And, uh, so I bought it and he told me what it was. And I went home and I started researching them and I just became completely charmed by them, fascinated. They're Victorian and Edwardian era, the turn of the century. And so at the turn of the next century, I started making things out of them. <laughs> well, they're amazing because they're like pipes, right, that were used. Little tobacco holders. They're, their technical term for the ones I use are cheroot holders. And cheroots were um, little, they looked like cigarettes, but they were... They had tobacco uh, rolled in dark papers, and so they went into these little holders. And these root holders were really prized possessions. And the ones that I particularly love using are the real small ones, which I think the women were using. And of course, they didn't smoke in public, so you know they pull the red curtains behind their house in their living room, and they go in the back of the house and they puff on their little root holders. <laughs> I love the whole story. Yeah, it is pretty amazing, you know. (laughs) So, you know, I'm always searching for more, and I go to a lot of flea markets. I have one tomorrow, and I've been going for so many years, decades actually, so a lot of the vendors will find things for me and hold them. Isn't that like the the ultimate meaning of fun to go on a treasure hunt? I have to tell you, when I see a garage sale or flea market or – you know, when I have the opportunity to go treasure hunting, it's great because it, you know, it's good exercise. It gets you out and about, and you get to look at things differently. I mean, it's amazing how artists use different materials. Oh, I, I well, it is, and, and the fun is looking for things that are that have never been used before in, in jewelry. And you know, if you if you have an eye for it, and you're always looking. You will find things. I saw the most beautiful necklace made out of fishing wire. And it was gorgeous and it had, it was knotted and it had, um, actually they used recycled tires to make like little beads. And it was a hundred percent recycled material, but it was exquisite. And I know it's something so simple can be so beautiful and it's so nice. That's why I like to collect the buttons because, you know, people think, oh, buttons and I'll go to a garage sale and I'm like, do you have any buttons? And they're like, oh, I think I have grandma's buttons in the garage. And they don't really, you know, take pride in them. Yeah, they don't see value in them. It, you know, it popped off of somebody's shirt. <laughs> yeah, and I take them home and like spread them out and like, oh my God, I've created so many pieces of jewelry from these old buttons that people just discard. Well, I love the old Victorian buttons too. Isn't it fun? You can make pendants. You can, I'm right now I'm working on a f- picture that will be like a Christmas tree. So I've taken a big frame and... Uh, you know, I'll add the buttons and then layer it so I can hang it on the wall. Oh, that's nice. Well, you know, have you ever seen the old button card from collectors? They they would put, like, they would collect all the different co- types of particular kind of button and they would put them all on a card uh, and trying to fill in these little slots so that they had every type for their collection. Those are like the big collectors. Well, I have a button museum, but it's not that sophisticated yet. Oh, where's the button museum? 
Well, it's like under my coffee table in these glass little containers, you know, ones that are like, you know, there's very old buttons too that, you know, you'll never see um, another button that's made of some of the materials from the 20s or 30s, like Bakelite. And maybe you see a Bakelite button when you learn about it, you're like, oh my good, these are rare. They're not that easy to find. Well, and the research on it is really fun. Right, learning about it. Yeah, I'm more interested in history now than I ever was. I know, just through jewelry. I saw one creative um, picture made, and it was made out of little vials of insulin. (laughs) And they actually took them and, you know, where it stood up, where the top cap was visible. And it was empty, but they made a pattern, and it was actually very beautiful. Um, you know, which you think, wow, some of these medical products we use, I mean, wow, could we make something beautiful out of dialysis tubing or old medication, glue it to a picture and make a, no, well, that might be kind of disgusting after a while. Never mind. I did make something uh, using uh, pills. It was just a sort of another symbol of what I had was going through in early stages and, uh, I didn't need those pills anymore. I don't know why I saved them, but I did use them as part of a mask, like I was doing a self-portrait mask, and the inside of it was lined with money, which I had um, probably illegally scanned, (laughs) glued in to the inside. So you didn't really see that part, but it was really about, oh my God, the, the money and the draining and the pills are on the outside, and I don't, I never even took a picture of it. Somebody, uh, one of my cousins said, I really, really like to have that, my my donor's husband. And I said, okay, you can have it. It's yours. Well, isn't that funny? Because, I mean, when I was at clinic one time, I saw somebody decorate their mask. Because you had to wear a mask, so she did like a big lip, you know, decoration on it, like she was giving a big kiss, you know, to try to make a light of it and try to, you know, basically say, I'm not taking this too seriously, but I need to wear a mask. Well, humor saves us, doesn't it, Lori? It does. I mean, you know, you think about it and, you know, what else do you have? And when you have kidney disease, I know for me, I, you know, I did both my knees replaced in 2004 and I have always resorted to art as a coping skill. And for those of the patients out there who are listening, I mean, you know, anybody can be an artist. (laughs) You don't have to, it's just basically taking the time to sit down and, you know, not be afraid to fail. Well, that's definitely, I, mean, I think Woody Allen actually said something like that, that you're not creating if you're not failing. And those aren't the exact words, but you have to fail a lot in order to create. So you have to be willing to do that. And it's just part of the journey. So I, I my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes all time, and it's an anonymous author. Maybe someone out there knows it. Give this poor person credit. But its challenges are what make life interesting. Overcoming them is what makes it meaningful. That is so true. You know, adversity does introduce you to yourself. And, you know, artists are not afraid to be introduced to themselves. They're, they're constantly looking inward. Well, and what's so wonderful now is that they have so much technology. I don't know if you've seen that new, like, iPads. And you don't even need to have all the paint and everything with you. You can draw on a computer. 
And, you know, because, I mean, one of the part of the fun of being an artist, I think, is getting a little messy. But, you know, even if you're on dialysis or you're at a clinic, you can basically, you know, pull out a tablet and start drawing on it and, you know, poke the little palette and you get a different color and save it. And, I mean, it's amazing. They they have contests now of iPad art. Have you seen some of those creations? People just make them out of iPad software. No, I, I have seen them. And I was at a charity fundraiser last night, and I actually won an iPad. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay, that's amazing. Oh, well, if you don't want it, send it this way. Yeah, I think I'll want it. <laughs> Let me just warn you, they do become addictive. No, I it's, I have so many of these kinds of you know, computer addictions. <laughs> I'm on it too often, too much. Well, the one thing that's neat about the iPad is you can download magazines, and they have beading magazines, and you can store them on your iPad. So when you're going somewhere, you can, you know, look through them, and I love that aspect of it because when you have to, you know, either travel or you have to have a doctor's visit, you have all the information in the iPad. <laughs> oh, well, that, I know, I'm really excited. I've, I've been wanting one. I just... Wasn't expecting to get one quite yet, but I'm glad I have it. Well, I guess to wrap up the show a little bit, why don't we try to encourage the artists out there, and maybe they could give us some ideas of new materials they find to work with. But it's endless. You can go out in your backyard and pull leaves and make a collage. Well, I'd love to know how many kidney patients are out there who are also doing creative, creative work to cope and to, I mean, I don't know if I'm even coping anymore. It's just, it's just who I am. I know when I get up in the morning right now, RSN, you know, we just uh, released an Embrace Hope jewelry collection. And it's been really exciting. It's very fun because it's 12 bracelets dedicated to 12 women who helped me transition to my transplant. And they're they're simple. You get some stretchy string and designed like 12 with glass pearls and pave beads. But the real exciting thing about it is other people with kidney disease are getting together and making the bracelets. And what's happening is it's like a support group with something to do. Oh, it's like the old quilting bee. It is. Is there the stitch and bitch or what, you know, those different things you have out there. I mean, I know people who are members of a stitch and bitch, you know, basically. You haven't? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it is. That's the... They all get together and quilt and, you know, do a little therapy. So this is kind of the same thing, but it's fun because you're creating something. And I guess what I can, you know, say to everybody listening is, you know, get some things together, invite your friends over and make something. Uh, one of my friends, you know, she has a group of people to make tamales for the holidays. Right, you and don't have to have art. You can it, just create just create. It's just the whole idea is to create because creating something makes you feel better. So I guess that's the, you know, moral of this Kidney Talk episode. Yeah, it has the same effect on your brain, your whole body. It's very healing. It is. Well, thank you, Myra. I really appreciate you um, sharing your talents and maybe we'll get some people out there to tell us their story. You can email us at info at rsnhope.org. I really wish you luck with the bracelets. They're beautiful and everybody should be sure and look at them online. I think they're fantastic. It's very fun. I mean, you know what? Bling, shiny stuff. I don't know. It takes me to another place. Well, you've taken all of us to many places, Lori. So we all thank you. 
Well, have a great day, Myra. You too. Thanks so much. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 